and welcome to the latest edition of The Crew Report. This is a weekly podcast from Argus Media uh, in which we uh, hopefully shine some light on uh, some of the big issues of the day in the global crude markets. Uh, my name is James Gooder. I'm VP for Crude in Europe and Africa, and I'm very pleased to welcome back to the pod our global crude editor, Michael Carolyn. Thank you. Glad to be here, James. Good to have you back. Um, so today we're going to come back to a theme we've covered a couple of times, but it's, uh, is developing and changing, and that's uh, the theme of the North Sea crude benchmark. Um, now, as we've discussed before, it's at a bit of a crossroads, and there's been a lot of um, discussion, a lot of very uh, animated and aggravated discussion over the past few months about this benchmark, uh, Brent, in common parlance. Um, and I think it's probably fair to say that there is a, a general acceptance that this benchmark needs updating, dusting off and refreshing. Uh, it's uh, running low on production. The, the grades that go into it from the North Sea are, are declining over time. And there is a question about the amount of trade liquidity in the benchmark. But the big question, and one that we're trying to uh, find an answer to, is should that extra liquidity and that extra volume, should it come from imported US crude, like WTI, or should it come from additional North Sea supplies, like Johann Sverdrup? Uh, and these two, uh, these two options are not necessarily mutually exclusive. Uh, they are certainly dividing the market, I think it's fair to say. Now, we at Argus, uh, you know, we're not a democracy, but we are running a poll. Uh, we'll put a link in the transcript of this podcast. Uh, you'll see the hyperlink there. So if you want to click through and have your say, uh, then we will take that into account and that will inform um, some of the thinking and uh, discussions that we're having with the markets. But let's have a look at production, first of all. What's the problem, Michael? Well, on the surface, North Sea production appears to be pretty stable this year. Um, in, in the first half of this year, total North Sea production looks on course to average 2.7 million barrels a day, which, which is down from last year, but is actually higher than the previous three years. Now, this perhaps doesn't fit our pattern of the North Sea's terminal long-term decline, but of course, the recent arresting of that decline is entirely down to the startup of Norway's Johan Sverdrup field in, in 2019, mm -hmm. which has been truly transformational for, for the region. If you strip out Johan Sverdrup production, then North Sea production in the first half of the year would have been the lowest since 1979. So, so that long-term wow. decline is certainly still there. Yeah, that's um, that's pretty clear that Johan Sverdrup is the kind of the thing that's bucking the trend here, right? And we we at Argus are trying to bring some clarity to that grade, so uh, so that people can work out whether it's really part of uh, the solution to the problem or not. With our new assessment that we launched back in IP Week this year, um, but thanks for that overview of what's happening with production. How does this translate into trade information though? Because really what matters in the benchmark in what, what people call dated Brent or North Sea dated, uh, what really matters is the amount of information that the market is generating, right? Well, this is a problem. Um, Johan Fairdrop, of course, is not included in the in the benchmark, so its production makes no difference to price discovery on, on North Sea dated. Instead, we have Brent 40s, Osberg, Ekafisk and Troll. The loadings of those five grades this month have slumped to just 600,000 barrels a day, which is lower than any month this century and much further back than that. Uh, 600,000 barrels is also the level which our competitors' plats described as critical for the functioning of the dated Brent benchmark. 
As far as trade information is concerned, which is needed for price discovery on dated, that is patchy at best. Um, the inclusion of delivered Rotterdam trade into the price discovery process has certainly helped improve visibility around the five grades. But this information is really only, av only available in a, in a contango market. When buying a cargo on a FOB basis, I need to sell it at a later date on a delivered basis makes economic sense. In a flat or backward-dated market, this trade is largely missing. Right now is a good example. There's been no CIF Rotterdam activity on benchmark grades in the whole of May, and we have had no bids, offers or deals on any of the five benchmark grades on a FOB basis for four consecutive sessions this week. Um, so that means assessing the physical element of dated has become extremely difficult. Wow, that sounds like a fundamental flaw in the process if you're only getting good price discovery under one set of market conditions and not the other. Exactly. Um, well, you know, to come back to our opening gambit, really, there is still a vocal contingent in the market that believes the best solution to this liquidity crisis is to add US crude, that is West Texas Intermediates, WTI, delivered into Europe, perhaps netted back across the North Sea to a virtual number. Um, but that extra flow that we see into Europe, that, that could be part of the print basket, according to this, this contingent. What, what would you say are some of the pros and the cons of, of that idea? Well, the theory is that dated should represent the price of light sweet crude in Northwest Europe. And WTI is already a light sweet crude used by European refiners in large volumes. So why not just include that trade into the benchmark? And indeed, WTI is often the marginal barrel of light sweet crude for European refiners, particularly when the arbitrage works, as it does at the moment. So there is certainly a strong case for its inclusion. Um, but the problem is, how do we include it? There are no loading programmes for WTI, and there'll always be an uncertain number of cargoes available for European buyers, because WTI could travel somewhere else, or it could not travel at all, if your economics aren't right. So how do you, how do you price an undetermined amount of supply? Um, there, there is a large complex of futures and derivative contracts built on the assumption that the physical crude underpinning dated is the North Sea FOB market. And there is no mechanism for adding delivered cargoes into the forward contract and no agreement over whether one could exist. So North Sea dated or, or dated Brent with WTI included would come to mean something different to forward and futures Brent. We need a way of linking ice Brent with physical barrels of crude. Um, we ourselves have wrestled with this problem for the last couple of years, and our experience with a with a North Sea benchmark, including WTI, is that it would almost certainly result in a lower price for dated, which is unacceptable to at least half of the market. Yeah, exactly. Um, so apart from the technical challenges, we are talking about a kind of step change in the value or the price of the benchmark. Um, and of course, that calls into question all of that forward exposure on Brent. Um, so, yeah, looking closer to home, if your home is in Europe, um, then the North Sea basket is clearly under pressure. Uh, but there are other grades, as you say, produced in the North Sea that could be used to bolster the benchmark, right? So what's what's holding those back? Well, this brings us back to the, the North Sea's largest crude, Johannes Fairdrop. Um, so while half the market has been tying itself in knots trying to include US crude into a, into a European benchmark, Others have been pointing out the answer to the problem of declining volumes is, is on our doorstep. Um, like the existing benchmark grades, Johannes Fairjup also has a loading programme. It loads in the North Sea on mostly Appomack tankers, and it already trades on a, on a FOB basis. So it already ticks lots of boxes. Mm. 
and they're obviously plentiful volumes of the crude. Um, Johannes Fairjob alone accounted for 20% of the North Sea's output this month, um, compared with a combined 30% for the five benchmark grades. Wow. And unlike the other five grades, volumes of Johannes Fairjob are going to grow in the next few years and not fall. Uh, one objection is that Johannes Fairjob is largely used by Asian refiners rather than European ones but probably no more than 40s. Mm. And in its short life, Johannes Fairchild has found plenty of buyers in Europe as well. But the, the main objection is one of quality. It's a heavier crude with a gravity of uh, 28 degrees API, and it's more sour with a sulfur content of 0.8%. But it's only sour by North Sea standards. This is not Urals. It's, uh, its sulfur content is actually not dissimilar to the 0.62% of 40s. And 40s used to regularly be around 0.8% sulfur when the giant buzzard field was producing more. It wasn't seen as a problem then. And the gravity is maybe more of an issue, but we must remember that the five existing benchmark grades differ from each other pretty markedly. There's five degrees of gravity between 40s and 12, for example. We currently use quality premiums to adjust for such a difference. So it's not beyond the, the realms of possibility that we find similar ways of adjusting the price of Johann Sverdrup for benchmarking purposes and include interdated. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting. I mean, when one of the objections to 40s uh, setting the price has been that it's a global crew, but then some people say that that is precisely the point, you know, with Brent being used all the way from, you know, the US Gulf and Brazil to China then perhaps a grade that does reflect that global arbitrage is exactly the kind of thing that should be set in the benchmark. So, uh, I mean, as, as we've seen, uh, WTI has its supporters. There's an equally vocal camp that favours adding Johann Sverdrup into the basket. Is it possible that different parts of the market could gravitate to different benchmarks? I mean, it seems unlikely perhaps, but, you know, in the US WTI futures we have in Cushing, which is up in Oklahoma, of course, but then there's also, a, you know, an active WTI benchmark in Midland, in Texas, and then again down in Houston, and now we have prices at the coast. Could it be possible that the underlying index for crude outside of North America could become the futures, and then Johann Sverdrup and the BFOET grades could represent the physical FOB North Sea price, and WTI delivered into Rotterdam could become the basis of a, a SIF index representing light sweet crude in Europe, if you like. Is it possible that the market could bifurcate like that? Well, I think it's an interesting idea and perhaps a, a workable one, but um, I think we have this situation because everyone is looking for the perfect benchmark for their particular needs, mm. which unfortunately doesn't tell me what anyone else's needs. Mm. Now, I expect what we will end up with is a, is a compromise that, that suits nobody perfectly, and the market needs to accept that. If you were going to invent a crude benchmark from scratch, the last thing you would ever come up with is dated Brent. And either solution we've talked about is only going to make it more cumbersome and more complicated. But the context that is built up around Brent means that a solution has to be found for the, the short and medium term at least. For the long term, I suspect the market will look elsewhere for a, for a global benchmark to be situated in a region with plummeting supply and presumably soon to be plummeting demand makes mm. little sense to me. Yes, perhaps it's all symptomatic of the decline of Europe. Um, but as you say, in the in the short to medium term, something needs to be done to keep this uh, this very important benchmark representative. Um, you know, we're, we are the challenger in this market. Argus uh, is, is providing a, a, an alternative. But what are we doing to help this process along? 
So as you know, James, we are actively involved in the in the discussion, and that means canvassing the wider market, not just a, a small club of North Sea players, because th this benchmark matters to to players globally. Uh, we're trying to bring transparency to the market for for Johan's fair job, both in Europe and in Asia. Um, so it's fitness as a market can be judged. So we currently have a FOB Mongstat price for the crude, as mm -hmm. well as a price for Johan's fair job delivered into China. We also, of course, have a delivered Rotterdam WTI price. And our new Naughty dated price, which has been running for a couple of years, is available for anyone who wants to see how a dated, including WTI, can differ from the existing dated price. And spoiler alert, it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> but our job ultimately is to, um, to provide an alternative to the incumbent. We're in the process of making some largely cosmetic changes to our Naughty dated me methodology. And we are going to be thinking very hard about future changes in the months to come. Excellent. Well, thanks ever so much for that, Michael. Uh, obviously, a, a very thorny and complex issue, but it does seem to be falling down into into a binary set of choices. So that simplifies things somewhat. As I say, um, anyone listening to this is welcome to have their say. Uh, do feedback to us uh, through um, uh, any channel you like, but uh, there is this, this poll that we have and you can make a suggestion about how the benchmark ought to develop right there. It's not just the two choices, there is a, a third option and we're willing to hear those too. So thanks very much Michael and thanks for listening to the Argus Food Report. We'll be back again with you soon.